Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest and welcome to the second iteration of the Quick Shift. That's right. Um, last week we did a bunch of news because we didn't have enough room in the, in the world in our in our new episode to, to put all the news in. We're like, hey, what can we do? So you guys got to have that. So, But this week, not a ton of news. What I'd like to do is almost uh, put my Paul Harvey hat on and uh, give you guys a little background on something that uh, most people maybe don't know the whole story on. Yeah, I'm excited for this segment. Um, this was kind of Jake's idea. He was kind of pushing for this a little bit. And then I, I tried to write something out that I could read and be kind okay. of like super hey, narrator with a smoking jacket on and read a story to you guys. But it was just too much work. So, so Chris has a, a story and I don't know what it is necessarily. Yes, you do. Well, I don't know all of it. You don't know all of it. I told so I'm going to be I told him not look at it. So I just want to talk about it and... Uh, and you, you feel free to just throw in whatever you want in the way. Absolutely. Um, so I was trying to think of a little bit of where cars are going and where they've been. And sure. cars have gotten progressively easier and easier and easier to drive as time has, go- as time has gone on. And you see all the shirts that are like save the manuals and everything like right. that. And manual transmissions are just going away completely. Going I mean, the way of the dodo. They are. They're going away. Um, so I, I wanted to look back and see kind of like a little bit of the progression of um, a very specific part of uh of the transmission so okay um you know old cars were really really difficult to deal with so you had they were uh, i think we take a lot of things for granted big as time. far as kind of all the different technologies yeah. back and, then when cars first came out horses were way easier <laughs> they were way, way easier they had uh only the courageous and rich really even bothered to try anything with cars ignition throttle steering shifting everything was done by hand and it was all like it was it's like trying to cook a 10 course meal by yourself like it's just it, it's it, it was really really difficult and uh transmission specifically were really really difficult to deal with um Emile Levasseur was the first one to really invent the first manual transmission. There was a few different iterations, but he really invented the first one. Good old Emile. Good old, good old Emile. We'll call him Emile from now on because I, okay. I don't know how to pronounce his I last name. I was wondering. But he started his career in the, uh, the late 1800s. He worked at a company that produced woodworking machines. Okay. Do we um, know what part of the world this is? I'm assuming either I'm Germany? Gonna, yeah, this is Europe somewhere. It, right. The, the, the places bounce around a little bit. I wasn't able to pinpoint where he was actually from. Okay. Um, the same company uh, oh, I'm sorry. He built, he met Reen Panhard there, and I'll get to I'll get to Mr. Panhard. Reen and Emil. Reen and Emil. But I'll get to Panhard back back. It sounds in a like a, an old comedy duo or something. Yeah, Reen and Emil. Yeah. Um, the same company also built gas engines, and in 1886, Belgian industrialist Edward Sarzen got a license to build Daimler engines, and he picked Emil to do it. Daimler so, of Daimler Benz. Daimler. Yeah, exactly. Kay. Exactly it. So this was a really big deal. Um, yeah. So he's working at this place to make woodworking machines, and they're like, hey, we need you to build some engines. Um, Emil decided he was going to do it, and then this dude's, <laughs> this dude's died, the guy that hired oh. him to build. And so Emil married his wife. Wait, okay, so <laughs> what dude died? Not Emil, but... Uh, Edward Sarazen, uh, the guy that gave him the license to oh, build the Oh, not the, the comedy duo. This is Edward. This is Edward. He 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 dies. He died. And then Emil marries his wife. Well, that's one way to keep a relationship <laughs> going. <laughs> so they start uh, they start building cars together, the, him and the wife. And uh, him and Panhard design and produce the first Daimler car engine together. Um, I, the, the, the twin V Panhard. Wow, so was, was the name of the engine, and uh, this it participated and won a lot of uh, won a lot of races. Twin V, like. I'm thinking like a V motorcycle twin. Yeah, you know? that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Um, I didn't want to get too into the weeds with this because you. Could, no, yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm just commenting as we go. So it it won the first major auto race in the world, the Paris Rouen in 1894. Um, I wonder how fast that race was. 
I don't know. To be know. the first race? I'm picturing like these little bah, 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 wobbly bah, 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 bah. carts going by crazy. at like, yeah, five miles an hour. So at 53 years old, Emil did the first city to city motor race and it was uh, 500 miles. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> On these newfangled contraptions. On these newfangled contraptions, 500 miles. And it, like that's a trip to that's take like today. The de- that's the definition of newfangled. Like right. these things are fangled to the max. Exactly. Right? Um, so, but the <laughs> This guy had some bad luck, but he was seriously injured in a crash while trying to avoid hitting a dog. Oh. Um, he never recovered. You know, let's give him credit for that. Good for, good not for killing Emil the dog. for, not, for yeah. not killing the a dog. The problem is, is that he never recovered from his injury and died at 54. <laughs> <laughs> so is that the end of the story? No, no, no. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We'll see you later. <laughs> um, so why are we talking about this guy? Um, beyond him being awesome and in invent, inventing and engineering with a lot of uh, important Euro manufacturers at the time, he conceived, as I said, the first real manual transmission. Okay. Um, so those they were called a sliding mesh gearbox. Okay. Um, it's based on tra- transmissions that were in the lathes and stuff that he had at the time. Uh, the gears on the main shaft are shifted right or left for meshing them with the appropriate gears on the counter shaft. So, sure. bas- so okay. basically what you have is the gears would come apart yep. and then they would shift and then they would go together again. Yeah. And have you pro- ever worked on a, a lathe? Because that makes sense then that if he was a woodworker and had worked with these lathes. I, I've used them, but I don't. Yeah. I yeah. If you flip up the gearbox there, it is literally just a, a gear that you slide into the other one. So right. that makes sense. And that's where the phrase shifting gears for, came from. Because you're shifting literally the actual position shifting. of them. Yeah, exa- exactly. Now, that doesn't really happen anymore. You don't really necessarily shift a ton of gears around anymore. But um, the clutch is really just a gear that you disengage and engage from the engine. So there's no friction disc or anything. Oh, interesting. On the first. On the right. first transit. Yeah, on some, okay. of that, some of that older stuff. Now, the problem was is that um, it worked like shit. Uh, yeah. The gears had to be matched in speed. Everything had to be rev-matched all the time. Um, right. So they were called crash boxes or clash gears just because they just would grind and clash, and it was just – it was uh, it was terrible. Even uh, Emil, its inventor, was known to admit it's brutal, but it works. So <laughs> – I wonder what the alternative would have been at that point. Just a one-speed – Yeah, it just wouldn't have been a one – one speed would have been just slow. whatever your engine is going that's this was it this was literally 30 years of the of the clash box wow 30 years so it was a very long time that it was long standing um enter earl thompson who ended up being an engineer at general motors so um, can we i want a list of these names we have earl we have <laughs> reen reen emil emil and, and the guy who died. Edward. Edward. Edward Sarzen or whatever. Yo, yeah, these are names. some solid names. Earl's actually like Earl. I think it's a pretty good name. I like Earl. <laughs> okay. Um, he was born in Washington, and uh, he was a familiar figure in his youth or in his teenage years in Portland streets driving uh, Cadillacs, Rickenbackers, and Buicks and stuff like they that. They need to bring the Rickenbacker brand back, I think. I don't know. That's not a very – that's too many <laughs> syllables. Um, he had a 1911 Pierce Arrow, and he got tired of the annoying clashing and clutching, and he wanted to build something that even a woman could drive. <laughs> Well, that's one way to and uh, to aspire. <laughs> I uh, I went through this with my with my bride, and she said that really only real men drive stick anyway. Oh, there you go. And uh, she was wondering. This is a little side tangent, but she was wondering oh, what it's going to be like in the EV world. You can't tell if a man is a real man anymore. You know, with electric cars. Well, if he's he's driving manually. Remember, you know what this? Okay, what are you I not, just what are you, no no CVT. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, I know. But I was thinking. One remember speed. the stupid movie I Robot with Will Smith? Yes. And how, like, he was the rebel because he always drove manual mode in his automated car. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be the real man it's of like the future, that, It's like that Porsche that had a manual gearbox with the electric, yeah, that's with the right. electric motor. <laughs> um, so he, uh, five years of trial and error, produced a working model, and it was manufactured by the Coin Manufacturing Company. And I could find nothing on, on the, the coin, coin, ma- coin Manufacturing Company. What if they made, like, 
slot machines, coin manufacturing no company, or if that's it's, an acronym. Po- or- you know, that's actually might be possible because there's a lot of brass involved with this stuff. Okay. So maybe, maybe you're right. Um, so we filed this patent in 1918. So how 1918, does it, okay. Yeah, so how does it work? Um, Thompson Design uses a sliding dog clutch preceded by a frictional contact between a pair of conical surfaces. Okay. So basically you've got two brass rings that as they come in contact with each other, it actually wears a little bit and speeds up the other set of gears. Are we to, talking about synchros? Yes. That's okay. absolutely it. Yep. Yes. We, we, we moved into uh, synchro mesh instead synchro of slide mesh. mesh transmission. That's right. So yes. Now, I, I don't want to you know, steal your thunder here if you have a full description of how this works. But go ahead. No, I just feel like we should kind of give a little context. So instead of crashing one gear, which is spinning either a higher or lower speed into another one, and that's what makes the crashing, yep. synchro mesh, basically think of it as slowly getting the speeds up to the same synchronized speed. Right. Right. And so you do this, as you said, picture two cones that ride together. And as they're and they coming teeth together, at the top, basically, yep, yep. then they slide in. Yep. So and it was also the uh, they had to use straight cut gears back then. Yes. And this allowed the use of bevel gears, which are a lot quieter. Yep. Exactly. So this was considered the quiet transmission. It was easy. It's much easier to use. Sometimes first gear wasn't synchronized still. So they was still. So, yeah. Fun fact. Straight cut gears are a lot stronger yep. than bevel gears. And a lot of your race cars still especially with the what do you just the straight cut gearbox yep. you know where it's just the map but that's what you hear is you hear that whine yes they whine, the whine like a supercharger or something like, oh yeah kind of like you can never live with it on the street right which right. is why bevel gears came to be okay uh, so you cool. didn't really have to double clutch anymore um so he designed this and uh then he got sent to world war one <laughs> oh this isn't a quite as sad of a story okay um, but imagine having is there that, a dog no there's no dog but imagine <laughs> okay. you have this great idea this revolutionary idea that's going to solve and then hey buddy you're going to war um, which I, th- I imagine happened to a lot of people because I think a lot of dudes got yeah, drafted. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so when the war was over, it was basically a uh, manufacturing renaissance, especially in the automotive industry. Okay. Um, like the late mid-20s, you know, that kind of, that kind of suppose, era. I suppose not only because all these guys are coming back from war, but now you have all these kind of manufacturing facilities that were tooling up yep. all these machines yep. of war. Absolutely. And now maybe was, you can... I mean, not even cars, but a lot of things were being invented at the time. Notably, the vacuum cleaner, air conditioner, electrocardiogram, fucking airplanes, radar, diodes, plastic, broadcast radio, washing machines, neon bulbs, boobs became awesome with bras, zippers, <laughs> Geiger counters, hearing aids, uh... Uh, the gas stove, hair dryers, kiss-proof lipstick, submachine guns, and on and on and on. Wow. So this was like an invention renaissance. So you can imagine that patents were being filed like crazy. The economy was great. But imagine trying to be a guy with a patent in your hand, trying to go to Chrysler or GM or whatever and be like, hey, 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 here I am. Look at me. Look at this patent. Look at it. Look at yeah. it. I mean, it was really, really difficult for him. When they knocking on the door, everyone else is. It was really difficult for him. A lot of people said it was a good idea, but it was going to be really expensive because they had to retool everything. I yeah, and this was a completely, uh, a completely new thing. So he was feeling a little bit rejected. So he returned to Oregon, and uh, he actually took apart a Cadillac transmission and put his synchro mesh design inside the Cadillac transmission. So he retrofitted, retrofitted it. Went to Chrysler, who saw a lot of potential in it, but they yeah. were still trying to reorganize as the Chrysler Corporation. Who did did he go to Chrysler the first time? He or went he to was Chrysler. Trying to get to him. Okay. You know, I, there's not a clear timeline, but it seems like he went to Chrysler first. They said no. Um, could you imagine the stress? Just being like you spent however yeah. many, like 20 years on this and I was, nah, nah, no. No kidding. Um, but Ernest C. Holm, the Cadillac engineer, the lead Cadillac engineer, agreed that his uh, transmission had potential. So they brought him on as a consultant in 1925. And 16 years into his effort, um, they bought the patent for a million dollars, which is $13 million today. And okay. uh, in 1928, 1928, the first Cadillac drove off the assembly line with synchromesh gearing. So that's... 
That's really interesting. Now you ha- know. Have you ever driven a non-synchronized gearbox? I have not. So my dad has a uh, old Volkswagen dune buggy that, you know, fiberglass chassis on the shortened Beetle floor pan. Right. Um, but it used a very early drivetrain and first gear still isn't synchroed. So you have to come to a complete stop before trying to get it into gear. Otherwise, you'll sit there. Right. So I can appreciate uh, the advent of synchro mesh gearboxes. All right. That's really cool. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. We'll be right back.